Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And um, as you're getting ready for your faith to be built up, we're going to continue our series in Timothy. And uh, I'll just start off saying this. It's interesting. I wrote my opening statement over two weeks ago, uh, getting ready, because I knew I'd be going to general counsel. And as I was listening and going through the song this morning, like I said, that song, Something's Gotta Break, I thought about my opening statement. I didn't even, I, 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 I just came coming to my mind. And it's just this, it never fails. The minute God begins to work in our life, every demon in hell wakes up and starts attacking us. That's the way it feels. Every demon in hell, why? Because you weren't a threat before. You weren't a threat until you started doing something. And so what I've been noticing is that in this church, God has been waking up some sleeping giants. In fact, there were some students this past kids camp and past youth camp that God did on fire. And man, ever since that they've been on fire, the enemy's been attacking. There's been some adults, some leaders that went to these camps. And they got so on fire and they're so excited. They, man, I remember this. I, I, I forgot what it was like to be at camp. But man, I'm so excited. This is awesome. And they got back to work. And the enemy woke up. And I believe that. I believe that as we're seeing God do tremendous, amazing things, that some of us are right in the middle of one of the greatest battles, emotionally, spiritually, we've ever fought in our life. And we're just like, God, why is this going on? Why is this happening? And it's because God is doing something, and something is right around the corner, and he wants to encourage you, don't give up, don't surrender, don't stop. He's not finished with you yet. For the first time in a long time, you're such a threat that the enemy said, I've got to stop you where you start. Because if this goes on too long, I won't be able to. Let that sink in for a little bit. You are a product of God's working. So in 2 Timothy, as we've already talked, Timothy is in the middle of Uh, getting started. He's been pulling back. And so Paul's writing to Timothy and he's telling him, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going after it. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you. Keep pushing in. Keep pressing in. And so chapter two, verse one, he says, Timothy, my dear brother, or my dear son, be strong. That's easy for someone else to say, right? When you're going in the middle of it, when you're going through some problem, be strong. Caleb's going through something. He hurts his foot. I get, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) It's easy for me to tell Caleb to suck it up. He comes in with his back hurting. I said, you're in your 20s. Get over it. Come on, somebody. The problem is when I say I hurt, Randy says, you're in your 40s. Get over it. (coughs) Then Randy complains and Vic says, (laughs) (laughs) oh, whole nother level. There's always someone further along, but it's easy to say. But but Paul's telling him, he said, listen, I've already been where you've been. That's what you don't understand. I've already been there. I've already gone through this. I've already been through trials, tribulations. In fact, I was the cause of some of your uh, people's trials and tribulations. I became one of (laughs) y'all. Here's the deal. Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Be strong through grace. Be strong through grace. Be strong through grace. How do you be strong through grace? I don't deserve grace, but I get it anyway. 
grace, undeserved favor. Be strong because I'm getting what I don't deserve. <laughs> I was telling Sandra, I was reminding her, we're talking about blessed are the merciful for they shall have mercy. If you want mercy, you got to be merciful, not judgmental. And so sometimes i got to remind myself that I can be strong because I have got what I have now. And I'm going where I'm going now, not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, but because of God's grace. And so the power of God's grace doesn't end at salvation. It only begins. That grace that you receive to be saved, <clears throat> I'm sorry, i got a tickle in my throat. <clears throat> I don't have COVID. Um, that grace that you received when you were just beginning, just starting out at salvation, it wasn't a one and done situation. That grace just began there. Because here is Paul teaching Timothy and he's saying, be strong in the grace. All through this, you're going to have graces you don't deserve. That Greek word strong actually means be empowered. Be empowered by the grace of God. I am empowered because I am getting what I don't deserve, because God is with me. I'm empowered because there's something that stands behind me that I don't have on my own. I'm empowered because of that. We're empowered by the kingdom of God and by the grace that he gives us, even though we were all yet sinners and so undeserving of God's grace. To be empowered through grace. Last week we saw where David had to put it in action. In fact, he had to run towards the very thing that he was afraid of. He had to run towards that very thing that he was terrified of. But it was only, uh, but the giant only fell after what? David did what he was asked to do, and, and then the promises of God arose. Grace is a lifestyle, and it's a source of strength for us as believers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to tell us about in the flesh, this thorn in his flesh and how it holds him back. In fact, it says, a messenger from Satan came to torment me. And in verse uh, 8 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. What he says is, Lord, you do something about this. That's what my first prayer is, <laughs> right? First time you have a problem, what do you say? Lord, get rid of this. Lord, deal with this, or more specifically, God, will you take care of them? <laughs> oh, y'all are too holy this morning. Y'all don't ever pray for other people that God would remove them and do stuff with them, right? All right, I'm sorry. Y'all are, are sanctified and holy, and if you lie, you go to hell. Anyway, but here's the deal. He's praying, and, and, and he's, he's saying, Lord, take it away. You do something with this. God, I'm tired of this stupid thorn. I'm tired of this thing. I'm tired of it, and we don't really know what the thorn is, some believe physical element. Some believe because he's talking about the churches, it was an uh, aggravation from church problems. Some people believed it was a spiritual tormentor. It was a, it was a spirit of the enemy that was bothering him. Whatever it was, it was tormenting him. He prayed God to take it away. And, and here's what God's reply. When he says, you do something about this, he said, each time, he said, my grace is all you need. <laughs> no, it's not. I wouldn't have asked for something I didn't need because I would never do that. <laughs> he said, my grace is all I need. My grace is sufficient for you. Why do you need anything? I don't need to take it away. My grace is all you need. You know what we say when God says that? I didn't hear from God. I got to pray harder. That's what I say. <laughs> In fact, don't you love it when your spouse quotes scripture to you? No, neither do I. <laughs> of course not, you know. 
If I would have wanted a preacher, I would have called the preacher, right? I mean, uh, and, and same thing for me. If I wanted a preacher, I'd call my presbyter or call someone else. I didn't ask my wife to preach. I asked her to agree with my pain and my sorrows and my grief. My, my aggravation, my, my pain, my frustration, I want her to agree with that. I want her to get in line and say, yes, dear, you are so right. I feel the same way. But she wants to be holy and quote scripture to me. <laughs> Sometimes I have to say, just give me a moment to get through this. It's my process. <laughs> Most of the time in the car ride, I'll be done by the time we get home. But <sighs> She wants to be my Holy Spirit. She's a good Holy Spirit. Sometimes she's right. I just don't want to hear it yet. And I joke around about that, but the truth is that's where we are with God. Sometimes God speaks something to us and we're not ready to hear it. I don't want to hear... My grace is sufficient for you. What I want to hear says, no problem, I agree. I've just been waiting for you to ask me to stomp them in the ground and punch them in the head. I've been waiting, Brian, just for you to say, I've been just sitting here saying, you just say the word. And I got, but he doesn't do that. He says, my grace is sufficient. In fact, he goes on to the next line. It says, my power works best in weakness. Not mine. That's like saying, I function good at four in the morning. I do not function good at four in the morning. Sandra will tell anybody, I'm not even a good conversation to two cups of coffee later. Sometimes I need a little help. When we start fasting at the beginning of every January, it's a little rough the first week. But I need that. I need that detox. I need God to, to allow me to get past all that stuff so I can focus on him. But it's rough. And he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. In other words, the weaker you are, the more you, when you get to the place where you say you can't do it, that's when I begin to work. None of us like getting to that place. No one in this place likes getting to the place where it's so far beyond our hands, we can't deal with it. No one likes feeling helpless. No one likes standing out saying, I'm just waiting on someone to bail me out of this situation. No one likes that. Most people want to feel like they can do it. They, they, they have the ability to do it. That if they want out of this, all they have to do is do it. But it's not that easy. Sometimes you're praying, doing it, and, and, and God's telling us that he works best when we finally get to the place where we say, I can't do it. And then he says, all right, now I can. And then Paul changes the tune here, and he says, that's where I was. But then he says, this is where I am. He says, so now, now, I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. I've got to tell you, sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. And I'm not there more times than I am. And I think if we were honest, most of us are there. Most of us can, would, honestly, if we were honest to say, we'd say, yeah, most of the time, I'm not glad to be weak. <laughs> There's a few times where I'm like, oh, God's got this, I ain't got to worry about this. It's funny what we pray about because... When it comes to certain things, like spiritual things, we like, we ain't got to worry about no devil. I know God's got this. He just speaks the word, and the devil has to flee, and, and we're dealing with spirits, and, and we almost treat it like imaginary characters. So in the imaginary world, God's got this. But in the real life, where I got to deal with real problems, real people, real family, real issues, real money, real sickness, I don't know that he's always got that. And so we pull back, and we're like, God, where are you? Why would you leave me like this? And God's like, I'm just trying to get you to a place where I can finally function and work, but you won't take your hands off of it long enough for me to deal with. Verse 10, he goes, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And then he goes on and says, in the insults 
and the hardships and the persecution and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul is writing from a way different point of view than most of us. He's on the other side of problems. He's been beaten. He's been, he, in fact, as we recall, if you remember a few weeks back, I told you this is Paul's final letter before his death. This is where he's at the end. He's writing his final letter. He knows. He's already been beaten. He's been left for dead. He, he, I mean, all these things. He's been in prison more times than anybody. And at the end of it, he's sacked. But, you know, I, God works best in my weakness. So I'm okay with this. It's a process. Many people want to have the boldness, and they want to have the results, and they want their, the, the letters that they write to last for eternity the way Paul's does through thousands and thousands of years. But very few people want to go through what Paul did to get there. I like being a person of faith, but I don't want to have to do what it takes to get there. That's right, don't amen there. <laughs> I, I, it's tough. Most of us want to believe God for anything, but most of us don't want to be in a spot where we have to. Most of us want to see miracles, but most of us don't want to be in a spot where we have to. Most of us are so afraid of getting hurt, we can't be battle-scarred long enough to see the positive results that come from being weak. I look at some people around here, and I see some people who've been through some things. And those are the people that I call whenever I need prayer. Those are the people that I say, hey, will you pray with me? Because they've been through some things. Their family's not all nice and orderly. Everything's not clean and in order. And everything's not wonderful. And everything's not nice and sweet on the outside. But you know what? They know how to pray because of the mess. They know how to get on their knees and say, God, you still got this. Even though I can't see it, you still got this. You still got little Johnny. You still got little, little Henrietta. You got, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of people not in this church. If you're Henrietta, I'm sorry for your name, and I'm sorry that I mentioned you. But I, we just go through this stuff. We go through these ideas, and we just say, God, I, I, I'm struggling. So, so this is Paul's great writing to him. And he's like, man, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Jesus Christ. And so how does he do this? You know what? God has a habit of being super on our natural. Supernatural is when God just does something super on our natural. We can't see it. We have no pathway out. But God intervenes and does tremendous things. I don't have time because I'd run out. But I could begin to, right now, begin to tell you story after story about the healings that God has done in our family, how he's provided financially in our family. I could tell you how things God has done and showed himself faithful and miracles in his family. But you know what we had to get to get there? We had to have problems. Some of the greatest stories that we all laugh at here, oh, Pastor Brian, that's so funny, was, was not funny at the moment. It's funny now. At the moment, me and Sandra shed many a tear over. Verse 2. Man, I've got to... All right, I'm going to try to step on the gas. Y'all keep up. Y'all have heard me teach that uh, things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to each other. What's Paul saying? He's saying, he's, he's, what is he teaching? He's teaching the word. He's teaching the word of God. And what are these lessons he wants to grasp? Here's what he wants. Be strong in the word and reproduce it in others. He wants you to be strong in the word and he wants you to reproduce it in others. Be strong in the word and reproduce it in your kids. 
Be strong in the word and reproduce it in others' kids. Be strong in the word and reproduce it with your coworkers. Be strong in the Lord and reproduce it in others. Our job is to be strong in the Lord and reproduce it in those around us. It's the word of God. The Bible is our guidebook for living. Not even my words up here are the guidebook for living. The pastor can say something off. But the word of God doesn't fail me. It's true. And that's why I don't want to teach someone's opinion. I don't want to preach someone else's sermon. I want to teach the word of God. I want the word of God to be reproduced in other people. When you spout off to me, I don't want you to tell me what your pastor said, what the youth pastor said, what the kids pastor said. I want you to tell me what the word of God says. It's the word of God that's powerful. So here it is. Be strong and reproduce the word here. Our goal is not just to make it to heaven, but our goal is to take as many people with us as we can. God wants us to teach these truths to other people so they can pass it on to other people. We're called to be contagious. Not like 2020, different kind of contagious, but we're called to be contagious with the word. We're called to be contagious with the spirit of God. We're told to be contagious. We should be reproducing what's in us and other people. We should be contagious. There should be nobody who comes within our presence that isn't affected by the God we leave or, or follow. The God that's leading us and directing our path and directing our footsteps. There should be no one that's not affected. People should know what we believe. Be encouraged. Say there's something different about them. They should hear us talk often about God. They should not hear us pray often to our God. They should know what we believe. Now, Paul is going to use the example in the next few verses, and I'm going to try to hurry this along. He's going to talk about the soldier, then he's going to talk about the athlete, and then he's going to talk about the farmer. He talks about the soldier first, and he says in verse 3, he says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because there's too many points of view, but let me just tell you, our job is not to be concerned or overly concerned as believers. You, we have to understand this. Let, let, me just, let, me, let me just help you guys for a second. We've got to separate who we are as believers and who we are as Americans. As Americans, we stand up for being patriotic in our beliefs and for freedom and all that stuff. In fact, we honor those who serve. But that is totally separate from us being a believer. My, 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 my belief in my country is affected by my belief in God. My belief in God is not affected by my belief in my country. It's the other way around because it's who we follow first. I follow God, then it's country. It's not country than God. So, so what I say is that my views politically, my views uh, in other people on the other side is affected by first my belief in God. And so this civilian life, what I do over here in my, my civilian life, my fleshly life, is affected by my spiritual life first, not the other way around. I've got to do the will of my Heavenly Father first, and then everything else falls second and in order to it. So everything I do, first, my first concern for everyone in this room and everyone in this community and everyone across the, the Arkansas state and into the United States and again into the uttermost parts of the world is, is the same as Christ. Our goal is that people would live saved and not in captivity. 
that people would be free from sin by the power of God through Jesus Christ. That's my job. I can't be concerned with every little thing because people are dying and going to hell. I can't march in every parade and I can't, I can't do all that stuff. I, I've got to understand, as a soldier of Christ, I've got to follow and I've got to see that people are dying and going to hell and I've got to do everything I can to help rescue them before they, 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 they die. We used to preach this in such a way that, 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 that people felt such an urgency to share their faith. Now we do it well when it's comfortable for you. And I, and I get that. Things have got to develop naturally. You're definitely going to be a better evangelist with someone you already built a relationship with first. But we've lost the urgency. We've lost the desire to understand that if we don't do it today, we may not have tomorrow. We're not guaranteed anything but today. That's where we can get into a political thing, whether we have how much time we have left. But by this point in Paul's life, he's way too familiar with the Roman soldiers and everything. In fact, he spent six years of prison. Uh, and in Ephesians chapter 6, he compares the natural uh, armor with the spiritual armor of God. And he says, endure suffering. This is a process. Endure means to remain firm under suffering and misfortune without yielding. Hardships are not over instantly. They have to be endured. Some of you got to hear that again. Hardships are not over instantly. They have to be endured. Sometimes you got to go through something. How do we do that? We endure hardships by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We endure hardship by keeping our eyes upon the prize. We keep our eyes upon Jesus. Jesus, you have never failed me yet. The news has failed me. People have failed me. The job has failed me. But Jesus, you have never failed me. You have never failed me yet. The soldier teaches us to stay committed. You've got to stay committed. Then Paul begins to deal with this attitude about the athlete. And with the athlete, in verse 5, he says, An athlete's cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. We don't like to follow this, do we? Who likes to follow rules? I like to follow the rules that I make. In fact, most people, not everybody, believe most rules are just a guideline. So if the speed limit says 55, you know you can go 60. It's just a guideline. If the, if the boss says be there by 8, if you're there by 8.15, you're good. It's a guideline. It's kind of a thing. But the athlete understands about rules. You've got to do this. If you're going to win, you can't be disqualified. You can't stop. You can't do this. You can't do that. You've got to stay within the right things. We do this. We use grace sometimes as a shortcut to bypass having to live by the rules that are set before us. Now, don't misunderstand me. Works don't make you saved, but as we're saved and we want to do what God's called us to do, we begin to follow his precepts. We begin to say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to, how do you want me to live? God, how do I live to overcome? How do I, I discipline myself? We know this, that, that runners and athletes and all these people we've been seeing all over the limits, they follow a list of rules and guidelines so that they can be the best at what they've been called to do. God's word doesn't constrict us. It liberates us. 
It frees us because it gives us the rules of the guidelines that we're supposed to run with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, it says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do this to win a prize that will not fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose. Man, I, I, I thought that, I, I underlined that in my Bible. Run with purpose. <laughs> when, there's a pro, when there's something I'm going, I'm not just running for no reason. I'm not just spreading my will. I'm running with purpose. Every step I take is a step of faith. Every step I take forward is a step of faith. Every run I do, I'm, I'm, I'm running with purpose. I'm doing it with purpose. I'm doing it with something in mind. I'm doing it with an end goal. Let me tell you, most of us are running a race that has no purpose in it. What is the goal that you're running for? What is the prize of the high calling that you're running for? What are you running towards? you got to run with purpose in every step. Run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says. I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that I'm only preaching to you others as I, I might do. I, 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 I fear that I have to preaching to others, I might be disqualified. He talks about this. He understands the idea that to be a disciple, you have to be disciplined. A discipline for my life gets the prize. In 1 Corinthians 10, 23, he says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial we have a habit of choosing a path in our life and things we're going to do, and we ask God to bless it. But do you know that if you choose what God asks you to do, it's already blessed? Some of us could be walking a pre-blessed path if we would just get on the road that God's been calling you to all along. As sinners, grace washes and purifies and makes us holy so that we can have fellowship with God. As believers, grace empowers us to sustain our purified holy state. See, the athlete teaches us to stay disciplined. To be disciplined in what we're doing. So the soldier tells us to be commitment. The athlete tells us to be disciplined. The farmer, probably one of my favorites. Verse 6, he says, And a hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruits of labor. The fruit of labor is based upon our willingness to plant. If you don't have anything, because you have it planted. The central theme of the Bible is the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you reap. Hard work and patience produces abundant fruit. If you're taking notes, write this down. The level of our investment determines our reward. <laughs> the level of our investment determines our reward. What are you investing right now in the kingdom? For some of us, we've been believing that God's going to save and God's going to deliver, but we've invested in nothing in nobody else's family. We've invested nothing for the kingdom of God for anyone else. You know what we like sowing? Aggravation, frustration, woe, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I had no luck at all. Too much hee-haw growing up. 
Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You can't sow anger and get joy. You can't sow your frustration and get happiness. You can't reap what you don't sow. I've got to sow into people what I don't have so that I can have what I don't have. No one plants corn and hopes to get green beans. Nobody does that, but we do. Those who only live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit our work ethic depends on the size of our depend uh, our our determines the size of our crops it's your work ethic most of us aren't willing to work most of us aren't willing to pray most of us aren't willing to spend hours on our knees most of us aren't willing to do what god's called us to do we're just happy to attend on sunday morning and then nothing else in second corinthians verse nine verse six says remember this a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants a generous uh, crop will, will be, get a generous crop. It doesn't take a lot of knowledge from this city boy to understand. It takes more workers and more work to, pl to, to, to plant 100 acres than it does 20 acres. The bigger the crop, the more it takes. What is our investment? See, the farmer teaches us work ethic. The farmer teaches us work ethic and patience. Teaches us that you got to work hard, you got to work hard, you got to work hard. That nothing's easy. You got to keep working until he comes. It's, it's, it's not a one and done. Come, get the grace of God, get saved, and just go live a happy life. It's, it's come, get on your knees, grow, be discipled, be disciplined, grow in your faith, stay committed, and then work till he comes. You see, the greatest problem we've always had in the church is the harvest is great. Workers are not. The harvest is great. The workers are begged for, pleaded for. Help. Open the door. Work the parking lot. Help in the nursery. Check babies in. Help work in kids' church. Help work in children's church. Help work on Wednesday nights with the Awanas and girls' ministry. Help, 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 help. Then we got the other people who feel bad and they volunteer, but they never show up. Every week it's a text back. Uh, listen, I'm not really trying to beat somebody up. I'm just being honest with you. Our poor old volunteers who are volunteer leading are, are begging workers to fill spots because people won't show up. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of town again. Oh, I'm sorry, I won't be there again this week. Listen, we've got to work. We've got to do what God's called us to do. We will only get what we invest. We've got to invest more. Paul is teaching Timothy, you have to go forth. You have to work. You have to discipline. You have to do what it takes to run the race. Don't try to take shortcuts. Then in verse 7, he goes on and he says, think about what I'm saying to you. Think about it. The Lord will help you understand all these things. And then in verse 8 through 10, he talks about uh, commitment and endurance. So let's get to verse 11. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. This is a positional truth. If we die with him spiritually, if we die with him, we're going to live with him. We got saved and died with Christ. Now we live with him. 
We live with him present, and we live with him in the future. Verse 12, if we endure hardships, we will reign with him. As the worship team comes, let me just tell you this. Your hardship is temporary. Don't give up. Your hardship is temporary. Have the patience of a farmer. That word endure means to bear up under pressure. You are to outlast the pressure. Outlast the pressure. If you hold on just a little bit longer. If you'll endure just a little bit longer. Verse 12, the second part says, if we deny him, he'll deny us. If, the message version says, if we turn our backs on him, he'll turn his back on us. The ERV version, the easy read version says, if we refuse to say we know him, he'll refuse to say he knows us. It's very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, when he says, but everyone who denies me on earth, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. But the good news is, on the other hand is, James 4, verse 8, he says, come to God, or come close to God, and God will come close to you. If you will draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. If you will pull in closer, like some of you did this morning, when I said something's about to break and you begin to draw in, you better get it closer and you begin to get closer. If you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. Some of you, the minute you walked up here, you felt it. The minute you walked up to the front. And some of you who don't understand that, I, I can't say that I understand. I've been, I've been serving God most of my life. But all I can tell you is that the Spirit of God comes forth and all of a sudden you just feel it. And something just feels different. And all of a sudden you just feel this release from tension, pressure. And, and it doesn't mean the problem's gone. But all of a sudden you feel like you're sharing the load with somebody. All of a sudden I'm not carrying the whole thing by myself. All of a sudden somebody's helping me carry it. All of a sudden I'm not barely, I feel like I'm putting one finger on it. And they're carrying the whole load. One day we were putting tables in the back of Dolores' car so they could do the sale because they were moving houses. And as we were, Jordan was there and Jordan was helping me. And so I would grab the table and Jordan would grab the table and, and Jordan was a really big help. <laughs> he put all his mind into it, but he needed help. He couldn't do it by himself. So I was able to carry the load that he couldn't carry. Now he couldn't stop. He had to be a part of it or it wouldn't help. That's what God is. We're like the little, little boy and he's just carrying the load, but he's just, he's just, we think, well, we're doing our portion, but really God's doing most of the work. Verse 13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. For some of us, you need to hear that. You've messed up. You've messed up. You've messed up. You wish you would have Raise your kids differently. You wish you would have served God differently. You wish you would have done life differently. You wish you wouldn't have sinned. You wish you wouldn't have had that affair. You wish you wouldn't have cheated. You wish you wouldn't have all this stuff. You messed up. But he says if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. For God cannot deny who he is. Here it is. God remains faithful to his word even when we struggle. That word cannot translate in the Greek is this. He doesn't have the power to be unfaithful. <laughs> he doesn't have the power to be unfaithful. He is faithful. Always he is faithful. 
He is faithful to his word. He is faithful in his deeds. He is faithful in his love. He is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. Who are we? We mess up. We don't follow through. But God always follows through. We feel like we're never going to make it. God always sees it through. Today, I know... And, and I realize a lot of you have already come to the front and the Spirit of God worked before the Word came in this morning and that is great. But maybe you stayed in your seat. And you're struggling this morning and you're like, God, I've messed up. I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. I'm aggravated. I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And, and, and God's faithful. And it's not too late. I don't care how old or how young you are. It's not too late. It's funny what we tell ourselves. There was things in my 20s that I thought, I'm too old to do this, this, and this, and I can't go back and and, and get this degree or get whatever. And now looking back, I think, hey, I'm so young. Why didn't I go do that? There was things in my 30s that I looked at and I thought, well, I can't do it. It's already gone, and I'm already at this point. This is what I'm doing. And now I look back, I think, man, I was so young. I had so much time. Because why? The enemy will always tell our our mind what it wants us to hear to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand in this place. Maybe you came already to the front and you just feel like, I just want to come again. I just want to bask in the presence of God. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I didn't come up earlier. I, I was struggling. I felt like I needed to. But man, after this word, that's me. I want to have the patience of a farmer, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I pray, I, I, I'm the type of person who needs God to do it and do it now. I don't have patience. There used to be this old song that the, they'd sing in the black church, and we kind of brought it over gospel. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. I'm trying not to sing so more you won't get on. No problem. I'm there for you. God's always on time. He's not late. He'll be here. You know what we're waiting on this morning? We're waiting on you to take the step. God is ready to meet you. Well, can't God touch me in my seat? Yeah, and God does all the time. God touches people on their seat all the time. But sometimes, sometimes we want God to do something in the natural, sometimes we have to move naturally. Sometimes with every step, it, it, it's a step with purpose. God, I'm, I'm going to the front this morning because God, I can't bear this load anymore. God, I, I'm going to the front this morning because my kids are unsaved and I've been praying for them. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm praying. God, I'm going to the front this morning because if I don't, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. God, I'm going to the front this morning because I'm believing with every step. God, you're going to release it from me. God, I'm going to the front this morning and I'm taking a step with purpose because God, I need you to intervene. God, you got to. Before you break this morning, God is ready to meet you here at the front. And as you come, our prayer workers, our pastors, Our leaders will meet you here.
And we're going to agree in prayer with you. And God's going to intervene. Listen, if you are struggling with depression this morning, you are not alone. And the cloud that makes it so dark in your mind and over your head to get out of bed this morning and every morning, I'm telling you, it's difficult. Start with God. Sometimes it takes more than that. We've talked about mental health, and I'm for that. This is not, this is not don't go seek mental health. This is seek God first. Give God an opportunity to intervene. And then let's see what steps are next. Man, I'm praying for you. My heart is broken for so many people, so many families. We went from a good season where everything was just good, and then all of a sudden it seemed like prayer request after prayer request, prayer request, and my burden and my heart aches for our church members that are struggling right now. It hurts for you. We've been praying for many of you guys. Those prayer requests you send in through the prayer chain or you called the office or you've texted, I promise you they've gotten their way to our staff and we've been praying and, 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 and we've been crying and we've been lifting your name up in prayer. We've been lifting your name, your family's name up in prayer. Some of you, you don't even know that we know because other people have asked prayer for you and we've been praying for you and God has brought you to this point today. So here it is. All this point, we're not in a hurry this morning. Don't tell yourself you're in a hurry. You're not. Right now, these altars are open. And if you want to come, these altars are open right now. Come. The worship team's going to start singing. And as they do, if you want to make your way to the front, altar workers are going to make their way to you and they're going to find and they're going to pray with you this morning.